the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On education, one I have been looking forward to for a few weeks now. I've been um, wanting to get this author on the show and delighted to do so uh, and introduce to you, if you don't already know of his work, Mr. Daniel Buck, B-U-C-K, his uh, new book, What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and how we can do better for our students. Mr. Buck, thank you for the book, and thank you for being with us today, sir. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I have been for a while, longer than even I started to try and um, get you on the show. Uh, I first came, or I should say you first came to my attention with an op-ed I quote prodigiously back last summer in the Wall Street Journal on education schools. Um, oh, the woke education Yeah, yeah. And, and we can talk a little bit about that, too. I hope we can. But before I do, something I always do with first-time guests, um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself any way you want, a little autobiography, take as much or as little time, but ultimately how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, I'm a teacher, and I'm a conservative teacher, which makes me, uh, you know, a, a bit of a unicorn in the education space. Um, <clears throat> I went to an education school and found myself going home every night banging your head against a cinder block wall because of the ideas that they were talking about. Uh, just the cre- I got a degree more in like progressive politics and actually how to teach, and we might get into that conversation. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. I hope to. Um, but, but that frustration, I needed an outlet, so I just started writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started on my own little personal blog that I hope nobody finds, because <laughs> it's just terrible writing. <laughs> Not that it's offensive, it's just, you know, an early writer who has no idea what they're doing. Um, and then slowly but surely worked my way up to bigger and bigger publications, built a following on social media. Um, and I find a, a lot of teachers uh, agree what I ha- with what I have to say, but either... They tell it to me, you know, in private, behind closed doors, or um, they they reflexively like, ah, oh, he's conservative. We don't like conservatives. And then once I actually hear what I have to say, so often like, man, you you kind of actually have a point. Yeah. So I see myself not as like an enemy of education by any means, or even public education, but um, it's a proponent of it. And to be a proponent of education, that means sometimes I have to stand against the system as it currently exists. Do you teach in a, uh, in a, no, I guess not. You are, you are in a uh, parochial school, is that correct? Yeah, I've taught in public schools, I've taught in affluent private schools, and I'm in an urban private school right now. Oh, okay. And if people do want to follow you, for example, on Twitter, they can do so at Mr. Daniel Buck, like any teacher. Mr. Daniel Buck is his uh, Twitter handle. Curious, you say you are a conservative teacher. Were you always a conservative, Mr. Buck? Uh, No, this is a story I haven't told uh, in public before, but it's a good one. I was actually at an Obama rally when I realized uh, I don't agree with these people. Mm. Uh, so it was when I was at a Democratic political rally that I he started talking about abortion, of all things. And I kind of took a step back, and it jolted me out of this, you know, 
everyone was jumping and shouting and screaming and clapping and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I started listening more and more and more, and I realized, oh, I'm just getting pulled in by these jokes, um, by the good political messaging, and I don't agree with this. Uh, and then I started reading up on it more, not just reading what my professors gave me, but seeking out alternative opinions and realizing, oh, I actually agree with the conservatives. They make good points. Hmm. Now that I actually go and listen to them and don't just vilify them. Was that before you became a teacher? Uh, that was in college, and then actually becoming a teacher kind of solidified a lot of Yeah, that, so that was kind of my question. Um, you know, I don't run into nearly as many in the profession as you do. My, 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 my work in education is not so much as a teacher, at least not anymore, not for a long time. It's more from the policy area. But I don't run into a lot of conservatives. Maybe this is just limiting on my own end. I don't run in or self-selection. I don't run into a lot of conservatives who seek the teaching profession. I wonder if that's something you see. Um, I'm wondering what motivated a conservative to go into the teaching profession, maybe to change it. Uh, I went into the teaching profession. I mean, I, I kind of grew up wanting to be a teacher. Okay. I just had this in my mind that I was going to be a teacher, and I didn't think about politics until college. And then it was kind of while I was going through the teacher training, I was wrestling with all of these ideas. And then, again, since I've become a teacher, I've become more conservative, seeing that there's a place for law and order, that authority has a place, that the classics are beautiful and wonderful, and they pass on the best of the Western tradition. All these ideas, I see not just educational ideas, but so many first principles of conservatism and even Christianity, when they play out in the classroom, are just better and correct and uh, right. So, uh, yes, and, and we would agree on that. But in a weird way, maybe in an ironic way, I think the left understands that, too. I think the left understands that about education as well. My sense has been, my understanding has been, that education definitively has changed. You write in your book, What is Wrong with Our Schools?, you know, how we've gone from, uh, I don't know, I, I think you said something like we've gone from Shakespeare to Jeff Kinney or something like that. We've gone from Plato to Bell Hooks. The left mm -hmm. understood. Do I have that close to right? I, I don't mean to misquote you. I, the point is from, right. the, uh, point is, have, the point to buy. Right. <laughs> right. From Shakespeare to Diary of a Wicked okay. Kid, yeah. Plato to Bell Hooks. Yeah, OK. Close. The point is there that it seems like what used to be. The schools I grew up in, some public, some private, you know, fairly balanced. Uh, you couldn't really tell the politics of the teachers. You couldn't really tell the politics of the authors you were reading. Not really. Um, and that's different now. That wasn't that long ago. You know, that was the 70s and 80s. That's a lot different now. Education has become uh, there was a book of essays about Paulo Ferrer's work, Education, I think, is a Subversive Activity, I think it was called. Education has become, if not something to subvert what we used to know as Western civilization, but the left has understood that this is how you change a society. My sense. I wonder if you agree. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up that idea of education. Uh, or teaching is a subversive Yeah, there activity. it is. That's it. The, teaching the is a yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always considered or, that teaching should be a stabilizing activity, right. that where we are bringing up the next generation to maintain these traditions, these institutions that we've built. Um, we're handing along the best that has been thought and said. And this classical conception of education was the norm since 
Plato and Aristotle, that we're going to hand along the best that's been thought and said, um, that the teachers, the authority in the room, and they're, they're exposing students to the truths of the world and helping them form their characters. They're aligning their minds and their actions to an objective reality and a moral law. That changed in the early 1900s with the, the progressive movement. We got uh, education theorists like John Dewey, who came along with progressive education, who said, well, it doesn't matter what content the kids are learning. It doesn't matter if they're reading Shakespeare or Smuts or a tweet. As no, long as they're reading, the right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, as long as they're reading is kind of what is what you'll hear. Yeah. Um, and the adults shouldn't be the authority. The kids should be picking the content. The kids should be setting the, the discipline rules. The kids should be following their own interests. And Dewey started writing these ideas right as schools of education and formal teacher prep came into being. So these progressive ideas kind of became associated with expertise and with the academy. Mm-hmm. And then... Technical a, expertise, right? Technical expertise, yeah. right, right. Yeah. There's a next step to the story where, along with the, the student protests of the 60s, in the 60s and 70s, we get something called critical pedagogy, which goes even further. Mm-hmm. Progressive education is just kind of mediocre. Mm-hmm. Critical pedagogy is outright political. It, it has an ideological school. point to it. Yes. Uh, education is not about students learning new concepts. Uh, schools should not be academic training centers. But they are the low loci, loci of, of societal change. They are advocacy centers. They are where we tear down the existing order. And in theory, we're supposed to build something better, but that never comes along. That's People the pedagogy as going. a subversive activity. That's the using the yes, teaching exactly. profession and the educational institutions to uh, change society, not so much at the voting uh, ballot box immediately, but over time through the uh, conversion of minds. Let me take a commercial break, uh, Mr. Buck, if I might. As we go to Mm -hmm. break, Daniel Buck is the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. We'll focus a few more, uh, a little bit more on the problems, and then we'll get to how we can do better. Daniel Buck and I will be right back. To the Seth Liebson Show, Daniel Buck is our guest. He is the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. Mr. Buck, there are so many ways I could take this interview. I was just thinking during the break, you were talking about the progressive movement in education around the turn of the last century, the previous century, and how that even became more radicalized in the 1960s and 1970s. I kind of illustrate a history. American history is kind of my, my area of, of love, at least at the elementary and secondary level. And I was thinking about this in respect to things like the 1619 Project, let us say. I was thinking, you know, I, I, I collect old history books. And one of the standard ones was 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 co-authored by Henry Steele Commager and Samuel Elliott Morrison. You know, these were Democrats. These were uh, Henry Steele Commager even ran for president on a kind of a green early green kind of idea ticket, a progressive ticket. What I wouldn't do for that kind of lefty liberalism uh, in our textbooks today. 
Um, but they, they have gone even, if you could believe it or not, further left, haven't they? I mean, they're changing our founding date, to say the least. That's the least of the problems with things like the 1619 Project. But there is there is something about changing this country with the textbooks and the classrooms that um, it's on a lot of people's minds, but they don't get a lot of the inside report from someone such as yourself. Is this something you're seeing as well? I think it's so much uh, framing of American history no one says we want to whitewash American history and not pretend like, you know, <laughs> there's injustice. All of human history has been a story of wars and murder and starvation and all of these things. Like, America's not perfect. No, I don't think anyone says America's perfect. We're exceptional. We're great. We're amazing. Um, and it really comes down to a framing of the history, if you ask me. Are we saying America's a great nation that has erred, that has, yes, been imperfect here and there, um, but we have perfected ourselves upon our principles, right? Mm-hmm. The American story is bringing um, the, the words that all men are created equal and have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Are we bring, our story is bringing that to reality and bringing that to fruition. We're accomplishing that in spite of ourselves, or is it a story... They were saying, well, America's been broken from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing redeeming in it at all, and it needs to be torn down completely. And again, that's what this progressive critical, critical theory, radical theory of education is all about, is saying everything is corrupted, nothing's worth saving, so we just need to take a torch to it all and burn it all down. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And and I think it's even a little bit unfair to what existed before. There's, there's this notion of teaching America warts and all, or teaching America as just warts. And, you know, there's nothing in the 1619 Project I didn't really know. I mean, I went read through it. There's nothing I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Having grown up on the books of Commager and Morrison and 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 Borston and people like that, I mean, it's that it's not as if these books did really whitewash our history. It's that the emphasis, maybe, or the direction they took it, or the conclusions they reached, um, the weren't radical enough, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. I <laughs> sorry. Um, I had a thought, and then it left me, and then I was just sitting there dead time on air. <laughs> That's um, okay. <laughs> right. No, pregnant there's, pause. There's we no, call it a pregnant pause. There's no, there's no facts that we don't want to teach. Um, the uh, one piece that I wrote for National Review is we need to be clear, honestly, just about the facts that we do want to teach. Yeah. Right. Um, part of the problem with progressive theories of education is we focus so much on the skills of analysis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we want to teach kids to analyze history. Well, part of knowing, like being able to analyze history is just knowing dates and knowing names. I can't analyze um, World War II documents from it if I don't know Hitler and Winston Churchill and, you know, the, the role of Russia in it. Like, you need some factual knowledge about it. So when I, what really worries me is we're getting away from a, a, not all facts in history, but, like, we need some content knowledge there, too. Mm-hmm. We need leaders that we're going to learn about. Um, oh, I remember the point I was going to make, warts and all. Good. What, what worries me, another thing that worries me, or what frustrates me, is when we're teaching the warts of American history, they're too often decontextualized. Yes. We say America's the only country that had slaves, or right. that's how it's portrayed. America's the only country that has done X, Y, or Z, when 
I, like I began this, this little section with, we could summarize world history. It's a story of genocide, war, Misery, yes, grief, sorrow, like murder, yes, yes, yes. What sets American, America apart is moving outside of that, that right. we have um, cities with some amount of safety, that we have prosperity, that we abolish slavery. So when we're teaching the wars, we need to teach them in the context of world history, because if you teach that just about America's wars, America can look really, really bad. And then when you teach in the context of world history, it's like, oh, America's actually... That, that's, that, I'm glad you put your finger on that because that's one of my concerns about the hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go theory of all this, the battle at the war against Western civilization. It's really one of the few that has within it this uh, self-correcting and self-analytical and self-reflecting model of thinking and thought and teaching. Um, that That's what is, I think, quite distinctive from other shall we say, civilizations. It's the Western civilization that offers that more so than any other, the self-reflection, the self-correction as well, right? Yeah. I, there, I, what's the alternative? Right. We want to tear right. down Western civilization, right. and you can look around, and we can talk about how awful America is in theory or how short it falls of an ideal, but what's the practical alternative? Right. Venezuela, like, right. Right. why has socialism worked right. in time? Yes, it's great in theory. Perhaps but, the Pacific you know, Aztecs or Incans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, let's go back to uh, ritual sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me do this. Uh, let me let me take one more commercial break and come back with you because I want to ask you how much of a problem the um, the ed schools are. You wrote in that Wall Street Journal piece uh, that I uh, first came that where you first came to my attention. You said when you were getting your master's degree in education, uh, your program was to make BLM friendship bracelets, popsicle sticks to designate whose turn it was to talk while professors compelled you to discuss life traumas. In other words, I'm wondering if we have now put education into the hands of too many children in adult bodies, and I'm also wondering if we have changed our notions of childhood. Daniel Buck and I will be right back. We're talking about his book, What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Mr. Daniel Buck is our guest. He is the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools, The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America, and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. Mr. Buck, how big of a problem are the professional education schools themselves? You wrote earlier this summer that uh, when you were getting your master's degree, um, you read poems through the lenses of Marxism you passed around popsicle sticks to designate whose turn it was to talk. I mean, uh, you read through. Uh, you, uh, you you read, you did final projects where acrostic poems with ironic rapped videos. This just isn't the image uh, most people remember from grad school days. Have we infantilized uh, graduate school, or at least the education schools, or have we just ideolog- ideologically changed them? I think they are the problem okay. in education. Okay. I uh, analogize them to basically a hose that's just flooding the system. 
And a lot of the outrage over this or that activity that we keep seeing in the news, you know, kids doing mock um, communist rallies yep. or things like that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see them in the news. You know what I'm talking yep. about. And mm-hmm. to. That's kind of like we got little cups and we're trying to scoop out the floodwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're busy, busy ourselves taking cup after cup when all of this ideology is just being pumped in gallons worth onto our schools and and, and we're sitting, trying to sit here like this is where it's all coming from you know the the radical political progressive professors at these schools of education are training teachers they're making curricula um the the education books that teachers are reading uh union policy all of these things it all comes back to the schools of education and until we fix those Nothing else, not much else is going to change. Talk to me about outcomes and educational outcomes. Has that focus changed? Um, you look at um, you look at our NAEP scores, our nation's report card scores, or you look at the state various state assessments. We're pouring an awful lot of money in. Uh, it seems the scores have been generally flat, flat, flat until COVID when they actually went southward. And yet the quest is for more and more money. Is money part of the answer? Is it no part of the answer? Well, that's the opening to my book is a lot of the trendy debates that we're having about education uh, aren't going to change anything. Money, um, teacher pay, unionization, none of these things uh, are going to provide any benefit. Just focusing, like you said, on money, the U.S. spends more per people than just about any country in the world, and yet we have, compared to developed nations, average test scores. Last I looked, we were uh, spending about $800 billion a year on elementary and secondary education all in, somewhere in that range. That's that's almost our Defense Department budget. Yeah, it's about $15,000 per pupil per right. year, which right. is more than a lot of the so-called rich shishi projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, of them, yeah. all of that money is going to waste. It's going to administration. It's going to ineffective curriculum. It's going to, you know, one-to-one computing. We're going to buy every student a computer and headphones. Like, but you know, books? No, not those. Um, so it's just all the money that we're doing is going to waste. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how how we should think about some of this stuff with COVID. Some of this stuff with the. Um, transgender pedagogy that's taking place. Hannah Arendt wrote in the 1950s that the view of progressive education, as she saw, was leading increasingly to a situation where adults were using children and their playgrounds to play out the adult politics of our society. Are we using children? Are we using children for adult purposes? Is that a problem, too, that you see? Uh, I love that essay. I'm so glad you brought it up. Um she warns that all totalitarian regimes have begun with the education of children. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a very, very radical political vision, critical theory, critical pedagogy. You've mentioned a few times to what we open this interview with this idea that school should be the place for societal change, which no one thinks like, yes, we can change society here and there. There are always improvements to be made, but this, wants to tear everything down. Yeah. Education is a point of subversion. Get yeah. rid of all standards of education. Get rid of even, like you alluded to, um, standard definitions of 
manhood yeah. and womanhood. Yeah. Not even just like how we define them, but that we should define them at all. Yeah, right, uh, right. So every institution down to our biology itself needs to be eradicated. Yeah. And there's always an allusion to some better world that's on the other end of it, but that just never happens. Yeah. Yeah, we've gotten into the business of just focusing on cutting down trees rather than irrigating forests, haven't we? If I can keep you one more segment, I'd like to end on a note of positivity in the second part of the title of your book, How We Can Do Better for Our Students. Can I keep you for a few more minutes and talk about that side of your book as well? Absolutely. Thank you. Our guest is Daniel Buck, and his book is What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. I'm Seth, he's Daniel, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Daniel Buck is our guest. He is the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for our students. We covered uh, the first half of that title uh, throughout most of this interview. Uh, Mr. Buck, talk to us a little bit about how we can do better for our students, maybe starting with thinking of them as uh, students with a purpose of being in the classroom to learn rather than um, as uh, projects uh, as clay to mold for our political anxieties. It really is that simple. Um, One of the first people I know of that got this uh, had to tell me in private because they couldn't come out in public and say they agreed with me that, you know, you're you're so right on everything, but people are going to treat it as a heresy. Mm-hmm. Well, what is this heresy? I'm just saying schools should go back to being primarily places of academic learning, focusing on reading, writing, and arithmetic, not uh, teachers' political pet projects, not like you like to say, the political anxieties mm-hmm. trying to mold children mm-hmm. into these new beings, um, but focusing on traditional academics, uh, teachers explaining concepts in the front of the room, kids getting consequences when they act out. Consequences are kind of mean and oppressive now, but there's a place for detentions, suspensions, you know, discipline. staying after school, yeah. 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 the discipline, yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. So it's really what you and I would consider basic schooling is the answer. But it's so far removed from anything on the horizon, isn't it? That's the problem. You look at the education schools where you got your master's degree, for example, and where you saw similar curriculums. You look at the focus of the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the NEA and the AFT. What you are saying is heresy. I mean, they may not want to put it that way. They may want to convince us they're doing the other stuff that you're saying, but they really aren't. That is not their focus, is it? I mean, it is not their focus. It is not their prime objective anyway. No, not at all. Um, and there's just there's so much incorrect first principles in there. Um, viewing students as just these perfect little things, um, and if we just let them flourish, well, that's not the case. They right. don't know their addition. They act out because they're kids, and it's the adult's role and job to guide them to be in a loving source of authority and knowledge in their lives. But that is considered oppressive now. This We keep coming back to it, this radicalization. Paulo Freire suggested that the teacher-student relationship is is the same as an oppressor and the oppressed. Right. right? The teacher teaching the kids something new, uh, a source of knowledge, or correcting their behavior because 
Jimmy bit Timmy. These are oppressive acts. We need to do away with them and just let the students flourish and do whatever they want. I wonder where you come down on this. It sometimes surprises uh, audience I sometimes speak in front of when I'm talking education reform who like to say, well, school choice, school choice, school choice. Um, Sure, sure. But an awful lot of private schools are often as bad or worse than the public schools. I wonder where you where you where you come down on that. I think school choice is an important policy, but if I'm choosing between a bag of Doritos or a donut, there's yeah. no nutrition. On right. The way. There you go. Right. Right. Um, I mean, you like look at these said, thirty thousand uh, dollars schools in Manhattan. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't send my dog there. No. And there's a lot of. I used to think charter schools were really um, what was going to save us, but a lot of those have gone woke and bought into yeah. a lot of this uh, right. political progressivism. Kip schools. Yep. Retired. Oh my slogan, gosh! Yeah. What happened to Kip? Hard, right. Night. They got rid of work hard, be nice, because it's oppressive and racist. Right. When I hear that, I'm like, no, it's really racist to say that working hard and being nice is only for white people. Like, that's so messed up to say. But that is the um, ethos of the time, right? That the, I remember that Smithsonian exhibit about two years ago, that that was an attribute of whiteness, working hard, right? I mean, this is... This yeah, is that a, was with yeah. Robin D'Angelo. Right, right, right. That's right. That's right. So they took her stuff down and put up bell hooks, uh, you know, as if that's an uh-huh. improvement, so right? Right. It's so much better. Yeah, right. He said sarcastically. Um, d- d- is is part of it maybe merit pay based on academic output? If we can either if we can get through to either one of those points, I mean, I've always been a fan of merit pay. I've always been a fan of merit pay based on academic output. I, I realize those two are are against the grain of the AFT and NEA, but it seems to me if we really do care about these NAEP scores. That really has to be step one, if not two. I think school choice is step one. Okay. I am critical of school choice. I don't think it's the panacea that right. a lot of people do. Fair but enough. everything is just so calcified and bureaucratized that until we start chipping away at this bureaucracy administration and we give parents a chance to leave, none of the other policies are going to follow. But after that, I mean, merit pay, I think we need to figure out the licensing racket so yeah. teachers aren't forced to go to these yeah. indoctrination centers that we call schools of education, right. um, a return to phonics, more robust curriculum, uh, just the list goes on and on and on of all of these policies that we can pursue. I, I am, like like I said, not as, uh, I don't think school choice has quite the promise that a lot of people on the right, right yeah. who love it do, but I do think it's the, I would say it's the Step first one. policy. Fair enough. If yeah. their pay is then everything, with that everything else step. I should have asked you at the top, what grade is it that you teach or what ta- or what subject, if not grade? Eighth grade English language arts. Have you ever put out um, outside of your book online somewhere for people to access what you would consider a solid reading list for serious parents and grandparents for their kids and grandkids? I have not. I wish I had. I bet that would be a neat project. I bet that would get eaten up because I have found from time to time when I get into this, Mr. Buck, I have found that, you know, parents not that much older than me really i mean 50 and above you know when they hear these lists and they remember these faint bells of that which they used to know plato said all education is just teaching what we used to know 
they're reminded of what the good stuff was and whatever happened to it, you know, long time passing. And, 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 you know, if you can't get it in the schools, you know, maybe with a dedicated parent or grandparent, you can, you can do some reading and learning and teaching at home with the child's really most important teacher, right? Maybe, maybe just. Yeah. And I think all of fundamentally our schools aren't going to improve until our families do. Yeah, uh, right, and that's a bit right. fatalistic about our education, I but too. I love that you're just talking about reading with kids because that's the best thing. If I'm talking to parents out there right now, the best thing you can do for their education is sit down yeah. and read a book with them or yeah. read a book with, as a family and talk about it over dinner. That's right. I agree with that, and it leads me back to something I often uh, say, uh, which is there wouldn't really be child problems in America if there weren't adult problems. And uh, anyway. <laughs> here, here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mr. Buck, I am so glad we connected. I hope this can be a down payment and we can stay in touch and I can have you back from time to time. If you ever have something you see that you think I or this audience would be interested in, please let us know. I'd love to uh, keep promoting your work and the ethic that you're trying to bring to our education system in America. Anytime you want to talk about education, I'm your man. Thank you. Daniel Buck has been our guest. His book, What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. I'm Seth, and I'll be right back. If you are concerned with stock market volatility, our friends at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that is not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. Ten and a quarter percent. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can um, check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888 YREFI 34. 888 YREFI 34. William Bennett, as Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan, gave a speech asking, What should our children know? George Orwell said that it's the first duty of an intelligent men to restate the obvious. So let's aspire to suggest the shape of the obvious, starting with the humanities in our schools. It's important to know what justice is, what courage is. It's important to know what is noble and what is base. It is important to know what deserves to be defended and what deserves to be loved. In the words of Montaigne, it is important to know the difference between ambition and greed, between loyalty and servitude, between liberty and license, and more. Every student should know how mountains are made and that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. They should know who said, I am the state, and who said, I have a dream. They should know about subjects and predicates, about isosceles triangles and ellipses. They should know where the Amazon flows and what the First Amendment means. They should know about the Donner Party and slavery and Shylock and Hercules and Abigail Adams and where Ethiopia is and why there was a Berlin Wall. They should know a little of how a poem works, how a plant works, and what is meant to remark that if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. They should know the place of the Milky Way and DNA in the unfolding of the universe. They should know something about the Constitutional Convention of 1787 and about the conventions of good behavior. They should know a little of what the Sistine Chapel looks like and what great music sounds like. Our students should know our nation's ideals and aspirations. They should know what liberty means and equality. 
and limiting government and the betterment of the human condition. These truths that underlie our society, and though they may be self-evident, they are not spontaneously apprehended by the young. Our students should know these ideals, and they should know that a large part of the world thinks and acts according to others, and why they do that as well. You'd think that isn't such a heavy lift. It's the kind of education I had growing up. I'm not too terribly old. It's the kind of education, if we were serious, we could have again. But we aren't serious. Not serious enough, anyway. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.